So, how are you enjoying it so far? Oh, you know, hey, I like calling my starters. <laughs> Go on, let's hear it. <clears throat> now. <laughs> last orders of the bar, ladies and gentlemen, last orders. What? I'll get them in. It's only 25 past one. I'm only joking. Phew, oh, <laughs> for the capital F. Welcome to episode 106 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish and Street catch-up podcast that isn't going to mention anything about Kirk's Sock's storyline from Friday, but has to concede that the plain black and blue sock thing is definitely the way to go. I'm Gavin. And Black Lives Matter. Oh, yes. Just let that sit there for a while. Black Lives Matter. How are you? I'm... It's been a tough week, hasn't it? It has been a tough week, but it's been a good week. You know, we've finally finished school, and that's just, ugh. Yesterday was tough because it was the last day, so both kids, surprisingly, had stuff to do, you know, to catch up. I thought Benny was going to be the one who was going to be working right up until the five o'clock deadline, but it was actually Steli. Because she had a whole packet of science stuff that she's had since May that she just didn't work on. She was just doing her observation work and not doing anything else. Kind of shocking. Yeah. I didn't see an awful lot of industry from Benny. <laughs> I have to say. Around about the five o'clock mark. I did hear an awful lot of complaining and shouting and yes. tantruming. Yes. But you know what? His grades are so much better than they were when he was going to real school, so lesson learned. I have utmost respect for his teachers. Yes, <clears> yes, <throat> yes absolutely. <laughs> Although I don't think he ever talks to his teachers the way he talks to, to I, I, us. I would hope to not. Me. Yeah, he'd, he'd be suspended an awful lot more. Right. <laughs> uh, ah, yeah. So that's good. Tough week, I think. Mentally, I've had a a better week. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, <laughs> but we've opened a window here, which I think is definitely helping. It's getting rid of the smell of my feet <laughs> out of this room, which oh, is wow. a good thing. <laughs> oh wow! I was Who'd right about something. Who'd have thunk? I was right about something. I just think the opening the window would have made a difference. <laughs> but it has. Yes, it has. Ah. Oh. Yesterday, for some reason, was really tough for me. I just kind of laid in bed. As you know, once once work was done, I just kind of just went upstairs and laid in a dark room for a few hours. And ate Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> but you know, I I think I think overall, there's been a lot of positive change, and the protests are continuing. You know, and the pandemic is still going on, and the rates in Florida are going. Right to the roof. This was hilarious. You got a text from your dad. I, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about it. It was, it was funny, and insofar as your response to it was no fucking way. Are you fucking st- stupid? <clears throat> Let's all meet up in Kentucky. What? No. <laughs> to be fair to my father, this was my mother up in Connecticut's idea, not his. 
I don't know. How much do you believe that? This uh, has got your dad written all over it. No, because it's my mom who wants to go to Kentucky and, and see that Ark Museum. Oh, Jesus. Remember? She keeps asking us to go to the Ark Museum. I have no interest in that whatsoever. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Christian, but I, there are better ways to spend my time and practice my faith. I'm not driving to Kentucky to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is saying a lot, because we did drive to Kentucky to do the bourbon trail. Yeah, well, don't do that again in a flash. <laughs> Can't do that with kids, though. Um, but not right now, not during a pandemic, which is still not over. And just because things are opening up does not mean that we can all go crazy and walk around without masks and go on vacations. Yeah, things are opening up in the UK and things are starting really to open up here from Monday. I think Yay. bars and restaurants are opening at 50% capacity, which I don't know what that means. Yeah, and I think a lot of restaurants are saying, you know what, thanks, but no thanks, because that's that's not, we, we can't do that in order to make ends meet, in order to be in the, in the clear, in the black, we have to be at full capacity. So we'll just keep doing takeout, yeah, where diff- we don't have to hire back our waitress, wait staff. <clears throat> it's difficult to figure out what that's going to look like and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So we will still just get takeout or cook from home. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not really comfortable. I'm not keen going, on going and sitting in a restaurant. And hanging about there with and people. Right. Yeah. It's, it doesn't feel. And using and using glasses that other people have touched. Mm-hmm. And and silverware that other people have touched. I think hair salons are opening up the week after. Yeah, I'm still not sure about that either. There's a lady in our town that's been frantically. Wanting to get a tan for her daughter's wedding. She's like, I'm too white. I need to go and tan. She's and, quite tan as it is. And, and, and you know, and she uh, and people are like, well, you could just go and lay out outside. No, no, I, I don't want any lines. And it's like, are you going naked to your daughter's wedding? Right. <laughs> Seriously, is it is it worth not just, you know, possibly catching coronavirus? Lying naked in a tanning bed that other people have laid naked in. And I don't care how well they cleanse in between each client. Still no. But also, tanning beds cause cancer. (laughs) Do you really want it? People are the worst. White people especially. (laughs) Speaking as a white person, white people are the worst. Typically, when you see people that are walking about in stores that don't have any kind of face mask on. They're white people. <coughs> They're white dudes. Typically white men. Yep. White dudes <clears throat> are the worst. Shall we preamble, my dear? Present company <clears throat> excluded. Yes. Shall we preamble, my dear? I said yes. Give me some of that Corey news. Corey has hooked a BAFTA nom for must-see moment of the year for the tragic death of Sinead, played by Katie McGlynn. They're up against the confessional scene in Fleabag and Arya Stark killing the Night King, so it's an honor just to be nominated. They're not going to win that. (laughs) I think with all the... It's going to be Fleabag or Arya. It's got to be Fleabag. It's got to be Fleabag. It's like the sexiest scene I've ever seen in my life. I... Don't recall it. I don't recall really? an awful lot of the second season. Mm-hmm. 
Really? I was watching it at work. Oh. So, well. <laughs> you were listening. I was listening to it at work. <clears throat> so Hot Priest does so nothing bits, for you. Yeah, I just need to do the second season all over <laughs> again. The first season I remember an awful lot about, but the second yeah. season not so much. And it's easy. It's like six six episodes, so it's good. Yeah. I mean, Arya Stark is pretty awesome too, but yeah, Fleabag is just one of the best things on television. Yeah. Most most things this year on television that were the best things were things that were written and produced by women. But who's counting? I know I'm not. Yeah. Chesney actor Sam Astin has announced that he and real wife Bryony are expecting a baby boy. Fingers crossed for surprise real life quads. <laughs> yes. yes let's, let's put five bucks on that, shall we? <laughs> Actually, in the interview, he said, thank God it's not really quads. Oh, he knows it isn't? Okay. Yeah, they were and they were surprised that it was a boy because apparently there are a lot of girls in both of their families. And I'm like, Sam, you're a boy. So yeah. they're not all girls. Hiya. <laughs> Finally, showrunner Ian McLeod has confirmed that the show will address COVID-19. Saying the show reflects modern Britain albeit heightened, so to not reference it wouldn't feel right. Although he said it'll basically, you know, they'll still do other storylines. It won't be like the main storyline, but you'll see people social, social distancing. You'll see people wearing masks and picking up stuff curbside. So it'll be it'll be part of it, but it won't be the part of it. It's a dreadful idea. No word yet as to a police brutality story or a Black Lives Matter protest on the show. A move we'd applaud even louder than COVID-19 being on the show. I'd rather they just didn't do it. The COVID-19 mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. Because how, <clears throat> how do you do it and not let it completely dominate every storyline? Because mm-hmm. if you're wearing a mask when you go outside once, then you must wear a mask when you go outside every time. Mm-hmm. So how are people talking to each other outside? Well, wearing a mask. And standing six feet away from one another. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. Why not? Because I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, but... I don't need to see but people, theory, people pretend to live it. But in, Well, they're still going to be living it. Let's be honest. They're, if they're starting to... um, If they're starting to shoot again in the coming weeks, then I will be much happier seeing those actors acting in masks than otherwise. If you think about it, it's just it's just safer. And I mean, yes, they won't be able to really emote, except with their eyes. Well, well, this is separating the wheat from the chaff. Who can act with just their eyes, for the most part, and not the rest of their faces? I can't see this working. And then they're, <clears throat> they're not going to be wearing their masks inside. So they're going to so- social distance from their fellow actors while they're inside, not wearing masks. Well, I don't think... It, it, They'll be inside with their families, probably, and, you but, know... But they're not their families. I think they can probably do things where they shoot scenes where you see one person, and then you see the person they're talking to, and they're not necessarily in the same room together, but they're able to splice it together to make it look like they're in the same room together. Like the way that they do, like, um, with Parent Trap... How they're able to make... Because that was done so well and 
it's a standard that we should be aiming for <laughs> is try and make it as good as Parent Trap. Well, which Parent Trap? Either of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Still, it's it's possible to do. I mean, they're doing it with that uh, new HBO show based on the Wally Lamb book with uh, Russo playing twins. So, anyway, that's Korean news. Splendid. Our mailbag. Helen posted a jaunty little... No, I did not. Oh, sorry, Canadian Helen. <laughs> Posted a jaunty little picture on our Facebook that you might want to pick out. Talk of Oliver and his little red car reminded me of this beautiful toy bus that I bought from a hobby shop in Edinburgh. Surely Oliver would have loved to receive one of these for his birthday instead of the tiny red car. <laughs> it's a lovely little bus. <clears throat> it is a very lovely little bus. It's very cute. I want one. Remember when we were talking about getting buying like an actual double-deckered bus? And we talk about this all the time. Converting it into a... a a fish and chip shop. Yeah. I'd love to do that. We actually managed to find one that was in California. That yeah, was already was already converted into uh into a you know, a takeaway van sort of thing with, with uh stoves and a fryer and everything already in it. Hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Fly out to California, drive this bus back. 2,000 miles to Michigan. There's a road trip. Yeah. You need kind of the monkeys or Cliff Richard to be involved in that somehow, don't you? <laughs> but yeah, having a little kitchen on the lower deck. Mm-hmm. And maybe some open seating up, on the upper deck. Open up the window to be so you can be served from outside. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd like to have seating in the upstairs, but I think it may get too hot from the, the heat from the kitchen. Downstairs, but eh. either way, either way, what a fantastic mobile food truck! You'd that stand out in a crowd, I'll tell you that much. It's just uh, a pity we're never going to do it. No, because I'm nearly 50. You're not nearly 50. Oh, 46. Yeah, that's not <clears> nearly 50. You've got four years, it's nearer 50 than it's 40. Lots of people do their best work at 50. <laughs> Sure. And then we got our first one star with comment review on iTunes. <laughs> I don't oh, think yeah. it happened this week. I think it was the week before. Hmm. But I, hadn't, I haven't been checking these things hmm. out. We don't typically see, we only see American reviews on right. our iTunes and podcasts hmm. and stuff. So we don't see comments or reviews or ratings from other countries unless I go out and look for them, which I don't do all that often. But I did. This week, and I saw this little gem oh, from... Oh, so this is a British person. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. 41 Pink Cat. Hi there. I don't think she, I don't think they're listening. I assume it's a she. I don't know why. Anyway, the review was... Probably a dude. Was, <laughs> was rubbish. Oh. I'm sorry, but I'm very unimpressed. They like to slag people off way too much. If one of the cast members make a mistake, they go ape and slag them off. Like it's part of the show for the characters to have chemistry and comedy, but these guys make Corey sound dark. I'm a massive Corey fan, but this podcast is rubbish. Big no-no. Don't listen to this if you don't want Corey ruined for you. Fuck my life. Well, she doesn't say fuck my life. She says FML. FML. Yeah. But that's what that stands for. You know, Corey is dark right now, so I don't know where she gets off or he gets off. Or they get off. Because it is dark. And we don't slag the actors. 
if anything, we slag the writers for writing rubbish storylines occasionally, but we're also applauding things quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot. And we have a moment of the week. If we hated the show, we wouldn't have a moment of the week. I just feel like the positivity of Timbot 4000 has been like, ignored completely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. If you love us, if you love our show, and you haven't already... Even if you just like or have a passing interest. Please leave a five-star review and tell Pinkat 4000 or whatever her name is. <laughs> their name is. His name is. Where to get off. And that would be the double-decker fish and chip shop <laughs> that we will never have. It, it, it's, it's all fine, because we're writers, we've, we've submitted work to thousands of places. And we've been rejected so many times. <laughs> thousands of times. It's like, it, it doesn't even matter. It rolls right up. I have been, I have run for public office and lost. So a one-star review really doesn't bother me. <laughs> Thinking back to, to a couple of weeks ago, I wonder if it was about uh, the slagging... Because we did slag off the storyline of uh, David's shite club, because it is awful. That's true. I wonder if it was I, based around about that. Yeah, I was thinking that, or either, you know, in the very beginning, like you hated Summer so much. Remember when you hated Summer? When she wasn't... When you thought she was all monotone and she talked like this? I don't think people are... I know I certainly wouldn't jump into a podcast about this catch-up TV and then go and listen to something from two years ago. Yeah, you never know. But in two and a half years, or not two and a half years, two years and a month or two years and two months or whatever, to get one one-star review, yeah, eh. I'll take it. Eh. <laughs> it's just good to provoke a reaction out of someone. Absolutely. So That's what we're here for, provoking reactions. And uh, dick jokes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Craig Tinker's light switch. Remember that? When he when he had obsessive compulsive disorder, well, which was, everybody has seemed to have forgotten that he has. This was David's snarky comment to Adam that Gary and Sarah were on and off again more often than OCD Craig's light switch, yes. which is quite a funny line. Yes. Craig's not OCD anymore. Well probably is it's just that nobody remembers including him right did you hear that he might have to wear like a fat suit coming back because he's lost too he's much lost weight? like 10 stone it's like 140 pounds it's amazing he's just i think he's just doing this from running he's just running yeah but he is such a wonderful job yeah Good for him. Yeah. But to wear a fat suit, and I think some uh, some actors are going to have to wear wigs or because of the, the head shaving. Oh stuff. yeah, they were talking about it on on <clears throat> Sofa Cinema Club um, this week. The fact that they can't get their hair done on the set anymore when they go back, and a lot of them relied on the hair and makeup people on the show Hi, to Charlie. cut their hair. Right. And stuff. So <laughs> it'll be interesting. 
to say the least. What about makeup? I don't know. I don't know if they'll have to do their own makeup. Because I don't think... I think approximately 50% of the the cast are going to have problems putting putting their own makeup on. I think one or two of the dudes will have a problem putting on their own makeup. I think quite a few of them probably, because they've come up in the theatre and stuff, have done their own makeup before. Oh, maybe, maybe. They're actors, they're professionals. This is going to be... It's going to be potentially amusing. <laughs> anyway, I was Gavin and you were here because I think you'd run out of adjectives. Mm. Gail unreasonably thinks that Audrey should forgive and forget the chaos that her offspring have created. Devon, the kids are off to India. Peter and Carla are off to Carlisle. They take Simon because, sure, why not? Why not? Norris and Frida are off to Edinburgh. Gemma discovers that she's going to have quads. Sally's horsey syndicate collapses quicker than a game of Jenga on a pogo stick. And sadly, Sarah's mobile phone was not insured. It's a great week. Mm. <laughs> Moment of the week was David double-crossing Nick about the barbers. Yes. Because he confessed, I think. He went to the police and confessed mm-hmm. and everything. Boring moment of the week was Sarah's lack of phone insurance. <laughs> and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Woo! <clears throat> Shall we dive in? Yes, please. Devon? Shall we dive in, my dear? On Devon. Yeah. Our first storyline today is our last storyline today. So let's jump to our second one, which is... I'm still calling it Shite Club because... That's I, funnier. Because I enjoy saying it. Mm-hmm. This is uh, David and Shona. On Monday, David and Sarah arrive home. David is furious and blames Gail and the carer for letting Shona go outside. I'm still not sure why Gail's getting any heat about this. Yeah. Most, it's mostly the carer's fault. But then again, I mean... <laughs> it's kind of common say, sense, I suppose. They didn't, they didn't say, oh yes, you could go wander the streets. They said, you know, she could go out in the garden and it was only after she had left that she's like, do you have a gate on your garden? <laughs> right. David and Sarah go back out to continue their search. Meanwhile, Shona has wandered around the back of Roy's. He's taking garbage out and sees her. She doesn't know who he is, but accepts his invitation to go inside for a cup of tea. Nobody can deny a cup of tea. No. Shona's having her tea while Roy asks Aggie to nip round to number eight and tell them that Shona's here. Then Shona snaps about it, Roy, when she doesn't remember him, and then demands some crisps as David comes in. But um, remembers that a double chocolate cookie is her favourite. Right. It's good to see you, he says, and she asks him not to look at her like that. Then in comes Gail, and the care worker, who we learn is called Alice. Shona says Roy's house is nicer than your house, and Alice and Shona leave, and David is left looking confused. So we can kind of tell already that Shona's not quite Shona at this point. She's very abrupt. Well, we learned that last year, last week, when uh, she slagged off Harry's drawing, remember? Oh, that's true. Trying ever right. fire trucks or something. It was a train. Oh, train, yes. Later, David settles up and thanks Roy for everything. Then David has a brainwave. Roy's dead good at helping waifs and strafes and that. Why doesn't Shona move in with Roy for the time being? And off camera, Roy must have initially refused, but when he sees David on the way to the kebab shop, he reveals that he's run it by Nina and they're both happy for Shona to move in. Now they just have to convince Shona. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday, Adam thinks it's a weird setup having Shona stay with a boss that she can't remember. And David says, well, she can't remember me either. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's a fair point. She mm-hmm. can't remember anybody, so it doesn't really matter. So he's just doing what he thinks is for the best. 
and later Shona, who let's face it, isn't really herself, is in Roy Rose with Alice. She thinks it's weird, but agrees to live uh, here, and Alice suggests that they get a tour of the place. Roy's more than happy to do so. Crack on, says Shona abruptly. So in the flat above Roy's rolls, Shona has spotted the sewing machine. Roy explains it used to belong to his dead wife. Whether she die off, asks Shona. Pancreatic cancer, says Roy. And Shona laughs as she says that that doesn't sound pleasant. I and This is something that I don't think is addressed very often when people have amnesia on television shows and movies. Is that part of forgetting who you are is forgetting some of the social mores that you've learned over the years as a human being. So it's not just people and places you forget. It's how to act, mm-hmm. you know, and and we, we see that a little bit more coming up with the whole cookie thing. Yeah, it's... I, I guess it's kind of uncomfortable to watch because she's not really how we know Shona right. to be. Because she doesn't know or like how to be. Or like anyone to be, for, for that matter. Right, she doesn't know how to be Shona anymore. So to watch a character that now has no social awareness or empathy or compassion, mm-hmm. when we know that character has these attributes. Right. It's, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, and I think that's the when, point. When she started laughing at, at, Pancreatic at, at Haley, I was oh. What? I really don't like that. No. That's like kind of, I kind of felt personally insulted by that. Right. Because like so out of character, but so out of character for everyone that's really on the street, even even the baddies, even the, the, the villains of the piece. Mm-hmm. They still kind of act within this kind of social construct of... Right. Ooh, yeah, so, like, Ray, like Ray Weinstein firing the the manager because he's racist af right it doesn't make ray weinstein a good person right it's just he understands social wars and doing the right thing yeah so it really was like kind of slap in the face sort of Mm -hmm. sort of stuff so in comes nina and roy introduces her to shona and shona laughs and says nina looks like something out of an old-fashioned film which again is doing that kind of building on that whole and it's funny because it's what everybody else is thinking. And it's also funny because that's exactly the look that Nina is going for. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say she looks weird or spooky or stupid. She says she looks like she's out of an old film, which mm-hmm. is exactly what, what Nina is, is true, going right? for. <laughs> so Roy's been making more of those cookies in the ready. And Shona rushes up and pulls them out of the oven without an oven mitt on. And then snaps at Nina when she's saying that Roy's just trying to help. And she's clearly not ready to be living at Roy's. She still should be in that hospital or that therapy centre or whatever. She, I don't think she's ready to be to be out, do you? Probably not. But and and again, this is something that I applaud the show for because you know, it's it's not typically addressed when people have amnesia in popular cultures. It's that again, you forget things that aren't necessarily just people and places. You forget that ovens are hot. Mm-hmm. You know, you forget that you need to put something on your hand in order to take something out of an oven. So yeah, amnesia is usually a, a bad thing to have in your storyline or in your in right your, in your arc. You, Remember from season one of twenty four. <sighs> Just, I think the problem in season one of twenty four was that they didn't think they were going to get renewed mid beyond mid season, so they didn't right. have a storyline for Jack Bauer's wife. 
So she ends up getting hit over the head and therefore loses her memory. Right. And spends the next, like, ten hours or ten episodes trying to get it back and then it's fine afterwards. Right. Which is just ridiculous. I think the only the only one that ever, I think, ever got it as right as this is uh, Star Trek, the original series. Um, Uhura loses her loses her memory and they show uh the nurse on on the ship you know teaching her reteaching her her abcs and everything from like very early on and stuff because the brain is weird mm -hmm. and you lose different things and you lose some things more than you lose other things and it's again it's not just people and places you forget so Alice calls David and fills him in on the events of the day. Then on Friday, just a couple of scenes, David is in Roy's roles. Roy says that Alice has said that Shona has lost her sense of risk, which makes sense when you think about it, he says. Alice has asked Roy and David to go back to the therapy place later on. So that's what they do. And Shona announces that she wants to live with Roy, not with David. And everyone is in agreement and uh, Alice will make the arrangements and everyone seems to be on board and happy with this, even David. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that David is feeling happy with this and, and David is not not acting like Shona's amnesia is something that has been done to him, which is the way that he's been acting for the most part. Yeah, he's far more accepting. Throughout all of this, you know, as if this is his problem and not her problem. <laughs> right. Which uh, was never a good look for him. No. You know, the fact that... They t that Alice took her back to the to the center and that they're talking about this. I don't think this is something that's going to happen right away. It's just once she gets out, she's going to go to Roy's. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that next week we're not seeing her already at Roy's. But no, we'll I have to admit there's still, still very much part of me that wants this kind of rushed and just let's get mm -hmm. old Shona back, please. Yeah, that's not going to happen. This, and that's great. Because I don't like this new one. Oh, well. <laughs> right. It's not just for you. It should be, though. <laughs> right. You're a straight white dude. Everything's made for you. Why can't this thing be made for you, too? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like to... I like to um, as much as I dislike what's happened to Shona... Mm-hmm. Because it's it's horrible and 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 everything. It, it's interesting to see her act a completely different character while being the same character. That's that's right. It's it's brilliant acting there. Absolutely brilliant acting. Because she's kind of reinvented herself a bit. Yeah. And I think Roy's reaction to that was as measured as you would expect. And like mm -hmm. you said, Nina couldn't give a shit one way or the other. Right. Which is described as. The only person who looked really uncomfortable during all of that was the social worker, was Alice, who was like, oh, Christ, you can't see that. But she seemed to, Shona seemed to take her cues from Alice's reaction when she right. saw that Alice was like, Argh. about the whole pancreatic cancer thing. Right. She, she kinda, toned it down. Right. She, she pulled it back. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that we. Right. Which is good. It's good for people to tell her this or to give her cues about it because if people just ignore it and pretend it's fine, which is. A typical reaction. Mm -hmm. um, then she's never going to learn. Right. The next storyline is Asha's devastating storyline. On Monday, 
Asher and Adi 2.0 are outside the headmaster's office. Dev comes out because he's... Because this is... Yes, he's the, still the, arguing with the headmaster right, about Addy beating up Corey. ITV Corey from, yes. from last week. So he comes out and he pulls them both out of school, telling them that they're going to be going to Oak Hill from now on. Aha! And at home, Dev explains that school has failed his kids. Asher thinks they should have talked about it first, but reluctantly agrees that it might be for the best, and she agrees to give it a try. Addy 2.0 isn't happy about this, though. No. Amy comes round, and she's not happy about uh, this whole Oak Hill plan, while Mary quizzes Dev about this extreme measure. Apart from anything else, can he afford to put two kids through private education? And Dev insists that he can. Meanwhile, upstairs, Amy is very upset at the prospect of not going to school with Asha. The two of them seem to look at each other in a certain way, while Asha thinks it'll be better to get away from school than people like ITV Corey. She needs to get away, they hug, and tell each other that they love them. Yes, which is very sweet. I don't know if I was just seeing something that wasn't there. Hey, you were <laughs> okay. seeing something that wasn't there. Girls, this is the way girls talk to one another. Okay. Yeah, I'm... Amy is not going the way of her mother. Okay. No half chips, half rice. No. Continuing. Okay. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, so Dev has managed to get the kids in the Oak Hill in under 24 hours and has managed to get them new uniforms as well. Dev thinks this is the end of the bullying and they have much better facilities at Oak Hill. Everything is on the up, although Addy 2.0 is still taking cheap shots at Asha. Later, the kids are at the bus stop and meet with Kelly and Summer. Kelly offers her old gear to Asha, but Asha tells her to shove her old gear up her arse. Right, right up her arse. Up her arse. <laughs> we don't do that as often as we used to. I, I, we should. I enjoy doing that. It's, it's cathartic. <laughs> Devs, Liz is curious how much she's had to spend. He says the price of the gym kit could have been a little grease. Greg's a joke. He enthuses about all the smart kids that come out of Oak Hill. There's lawyers, doctors, politicians, and how super the facilities are. There's four squash courts. Then Gary comes in and winds up Dev about not being able to afford it, which then spurs Dev to cut Kathy and Ber- <laughs> cut Kathy and, and Bernie's hours at the kebab shop, saying that Addy 2.0 will be picking them up instead. Yeah, why is Gary giving Dev a hard time? Because because he's mad at this kid for, you know, posting nude nude video of his daughter on the internet? That's not his kid? Is Gary still mad about that? He seemed to be mad about something. Yeah. This wasn't just a random character has to go in and speak to Dev about being able to afford it. Right, because we've already had that with Liz. It was very deliberately Gary. It was Gary. very deliberately Gary being pissed off at Dev. Who wasn't happy. Because he, he was doing his old right. Gary Angry kind yeah. of wobbly head sort of thing. So he definitely wasn't just there by accident. Right. He's there pissed by design. off that Dev is sending his kids to the private school that he used to be paying for the other girl to go to. Uh-huh. Don't know why he's upset with this. <sighs> I don't know. And I don't think... I give, think because he's trying to get that girl back into Oak Hill... I'm not sure. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure that Addy working three hours at the kebab shop is going to save him all that much money. Eh, it's a gesture. I thought Addy was already working in the uh, in the shop shop. He was working in the shop shop. Yeah, so why is he doing work at the kebab shop now? I thought that was, uh, was Asha. Oh, because maybe the last time he worked in the shop shop, he stole all the vodka. Oh, that's right. And then money from the 
You look like you stole money from the charity box as well, didn't you? Or am I making that up? I think you're making I'm that up. I think it up. was just the vodka. Oh, dear. So, it's just a few hours, Dev says to them when they complain, but Cathy knows what this is all about. This is saving money. Mm-hmm. And there's a little joke between Cathy and Bernie <laughs> about nepotism. Right. <laughs> Cathy says, this is downright nepotism. And Bernie says, no, it's it's you no, know, it's not. It's, it's the boss giving <laughs> jobs to his Emily. Right. I like the fact that Ber- that Bernie and uh, and Kathy are friends now. They're, they're they are so good together. They're pretty much thick as thieves now. They're hilarious together. I I, I approve of of this whole. All because they drank cider at work <laughs> together. Right. Yeah. And yep. because they're both on Team Gemma mm-hmm. and Chesney. Yeah, it's lovely. So Nina finds Asha in the community garden. First day didn't go very well. Everyone at Oak Hill already knew and they were watching the video pointing and making fun of her. This who all- are these teachers who are allowing people to watch nude videos at school? Well, I don't you're think they're allowed-, allowed to. You're not allowed to have your phone out in class or even, you know. I know at our kids' school, at the middle school, they can have it in their locker and they can have it for a little bit of time during, during lunch which I don't necessarily agree with because they should be eating lunch because they don't exactly get an awful lot of time to shovel food in their mouths. Not get an hour? No. Get maybe 20 minutes. That's it? Yeah. Oh, we used, to, we used to get an hour. I know. Because they're trying to shovel so much information into kids' heads these days. I so was past tests. confused looking at... Uh... When Stella's talking about seventh hour and mm-hmm. stuff like, really, you get seven different classes mm-hmm. in a day, and it's yeah, and it's the same every day. Yeah, mine wasn't like that at all. It was all no. s- splattered about the week. You'd have English on first period on Monday, but then you'd have it like a third period on Wednesday or right. whatever. And it took a little while to remember where you were supposed to be. Right, but it was. I think we started at eight forty-five and finished at three forty-five. Mm-hmm. And had an hour lunch in between. Yeah. So we could go into the town and cause havoc. Right. Which our kids are not allowed to do. Right. Uh, again, a, a strong argument for just continuing to educate from home. <laughs> so this all sounds a bit carry to Nina. And she has to explain about the... About what carries what carries and all the pig's blood at the end and right. stuff. It's gossip and we'll, everything will move on. And then she points out that Asha is bunking off school a mere 200 yards from her front door. So maybe that's not a great idea. Yeah. So the school phones Dev when he's at work and then he immediately phones Asha. But she's in Roy's roles now and she dingies the call. On Friday, Addy 2.0 gets home. He wonders where Asha went. Addy tells his dad that everyone knew Asha already, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Dev tells him about his shifts at the kebab shop next week, and he's not thrilled at having to work to pay for his own education, which seems mm, kind of fair. fair point. Later, Dev is quizzing Summer and Kelly about Asha's whereabouts, and then he walks around the corner, and there she is outside Roy's Rolls with Nina. He asks how school went, and Asha says that he already knows how it went, and mm. says that they will talk about it when they get home. Nina tells Dev... Because she kind of wanders away at this point. Mm. So Nina's left with Dev. And Nina tells him that everything will be okay. Asha opened up to her this afternoon about her life, her mum and her dad. And Nina says that Asha has appreciated Dev's help. But she feels wretched, so go easy on her. Listen to her. 
and Dev seems to appreciate the advice from the 18-year-old goth. Mm-hmm. At home, Ash explains about her day. Everyone it's knows... Like Dev seems to want to talk longer to Nina, and Nina's like, okay, and, this I need is to getting go weird. Right, I need to, I'm supposed to be at work, so, yeah. so deal with your teenage daughter's problems right, yourself. Yes. Talk to her mm-hmm. and listen. Everybody knows everybody, she says, and she's sorry that she's wasted his money and she wishes that she could go back to Bessie Street. Back to Bessie Street. So right. not even very high. Yeah. Just go back because a simpler time when I was just a young girl. Elementary school. Right. Dev tells her that he believes in her. She's made of stern stuff, sterner than him. She's like Michelle Obama, but but Asha doesn't appreciate the reference, strangely. All yeah, <laughs> which really got my ire up. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Nobody slice off Michelle Obama. All that when they go low stuff makes her sound aloof, says Asha. Oh, which then, is. Then, then comes Addy 2.0, who tells Asha that she could have been a page three model. And that makes. Which, which means. Which isn't a compliment. No, no. She could be topless in the newspaper. I don't think this is a thing anymore, but it's really strange to think that when I was growing up, it wasn't just the sun. It was every. Pretty much every newspaper, every tabloid newspaper on page three would have a random topless girl. <laughs> Why? I don't. I don't understand. So strange. <sighs> oh, but there was complaints when they when they took it away. Yeah, you bet the way. Uh-huh. Later, Nina, Asha, and Summer are outside the kebab shop when ITV Corey and his mates walk by. Asha gets right fucking laid into him, calling him out for first recording her without her consent and then not apologising for it and then saying nothing to back her up after everything that happened later. Uh, he blames Kelly, but Asha doesn't let him off the hook. If he'd even tried to do the right thing, she would have been impressed. But he blew it, so get to fuck, you absolute creeper. And Nina is pleased, and Summer wonders where that outburst came from. Right. And even Corey's friends are kind of like, whoa. Yeah, one of them uh, insinuates that, uh, what's wrong with Asha? She must be menstruating. Yeah. Fuck that, that guy. That wasn't great. Back at home, Asha has given a slightly exaggerated version of events to Dev and Addy 2.0, and Dev is thrilled. Addy thinks ITV Corey is a total spanner. Asha goes upstairs, and we see that she's got some texts from ITV Corey, apologising and asking what she's up to, and she kind of has a faint smile on her face here that she's... Mm-hmm. I hope she's not going to go back out with him. Yeah. Surely not. I hope not. But it's nice that he's apologised finally. Why? Like four weeks later, <laughs> <laughs> and only after being gotten telt mm-hmm. in public, berated. Yeah, some would say that was a good scene. That was a good scene. She went absolute full pelt. Yeah, and um, as she should. Right. So I've been kind of thinking that this has been the end of the storyline for a few weeks now, but does this feel like it's the end of it? that she's now empowered? Mm-hmm. That she's. Uh, not shucking away from it. She admitted to she she shouted it to that group of boys. You know, it's okay for me to take my to take my clothes off for you, but you can't even apologise. Right. That. You know, she's not she's not trying to pretend that it didn't happen. She's right. taking Nina's advice of owning it and mm-hmm. and getting power from it, and that seems to be what she's doing now. So, yes. I think this Oak Hill thing uh, is going to last for a little while longer. I think they're still going to be going to that school. And that well, might cause money troubles for Dev. And I think it might also... Because he has already paid for it. Right. And I don't think it's a pay-as-you-go no. kind of deal, isn't no. it? You pay by term or right. by year. And 
you know, again, Gary's anger makes me think that there's going to be issues here with with Asha and Kelly and Kelly going back to that school maybe at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Gary's weird. Gary makes no sense. We'll get to Gary. Yes. On to just a couple of scenes with Michael on Monday. Michael is at Roy's Rolls with Tiana. He's got her while Grace is getting her hair done. This winds up Aggie. Aggie just hates Grace. Right. She picks up the thread from several months ago that Michael needs to get proper visitation rights and time sorted out. Yeah, and not just when Grace needs to get her hair done. Mm -hmm. Michael is not telling his mother that he and Grace are sort of getting back together. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah. James arrives, and now Michael doesn't think it's the best time to be going on holiday uh, with his new job and everything, which kind of makes sense. James is suspicious that Michael didn't mention anything about this earlier and then realises it's all about Grace. Actually, no, Michael insists that he wants to be a good full-time dad to Tiana. Which I think is true. Yep, and that's all that happened with that storyline. But Mm -hmm. it was good to see a little bit of common sense coming into this, that you can't just take a job and then... A week Fuck later, <laughs> say that you're going to take a week off right. or, or whatever and, and go to Spain. So it was kind of good that they had the they had the, the wherewithal for Michael to realise this and use Correct. it as a very decent excuse for not going on holiday with James. Do you think James is still going to go on holiday? Do you think he may take somebody else with him? I don't think I care. Hmm. Do you? I don't know. Why mention it then? Because it might be interesting. No, I mean, why mention it in terms of the story? Yeah. Because all that's come out of this, this whole going on holiday thing is to give Grace a slight moment of feeling uh, pissed off that Michael's got money that she doesn't know about. Right. Even though in the beginning she insisted that she didn't want any money or anything from Michael. Right. And now this whole Michael's realising that Maybe he shouldn't do this when he's just got a new job. Right. <clears throat> do, do either of those reasons feel sufficient to have this as part of the story? I don't think so. So maybe there is something something else about it. Who knows? Do you know? No. No, I'm just I'm just thinking off the top of my head that it might be interesting if he invites somebody else to go with him. Like Tommy O? No. Not Tommy O. Sean. <laughs> Ugh. This that better not happen. I don't think it will. I think I think if that was going to happen, it would have already been hinted at. Well, it hasn't been. No. Oh, excuse me. Okay, moving on. There was only one scene about Oliver. Yeah. In the last three episodes, which was quite strange. Hmm. Given that it was like. If not the majority storyline for the past couple of weeks, it's certainly been up there. There's been an awful right. lot of scenes dedicated to this. Well, so just know, to this have is, this is what Corey does: big story, big story, big story. Pull back a little bit on the big story. Let other big stories that we'd already had before kind of get furthered a little bit, and then we'll get back to this big story, big story, big story. It's it's this this is a format that they've done for a very long time, as most soap operas do. I think I expected more than one scene, though. Because all we got was Oliver ready for bed, 
Nick wanting to help out, but Leanne refusing, mm-hmm. and she says that she'll take care of it. And Simon and Nick are both worried about it, but put it down to it being a tough few days for Leanne, and then that's it. But she's very, very possessive that anything that's going to get done, right. she's going to be the one that does it. Yeah. Where's that come from? We saw it last week. Yeah. I'm not sure where it's come from, though. Well, because she feels this guilt that she's been a bad mother, that she didn't realize that her son had this genetic problem before now, which is not logical, but it does make sense in a maternal way, you know. Hmm. I can understand it. So not much to talk about from that. And then we're on to already our penultimate storyline of the week. Hoot hoot. We haven't even been going an hour. Hoot hoot. Well, we'll have to go on a tangent or two between now and the end of the episode. We don't have to deliberately do that. <laughs> it's Kelly the Chin. On Wednesday, Imran and Adam are in Roy's Rolls chatting about cleaners. There seems to be confusion because Imran said that the cleaner will be there at midday and Adam says, well, why don't you just say 12? Right. And Imran said, well, now you know if, whether I mean AM or PM. And Adam's, I don't expect the cleaner to come in the a middle minute. of the night. But that's when most—that's what a lot of cleaners do. Clean is in, in the nighttime, right. as we've seen in uh, Gremlins too. There's <laughs> a cleaner who's cleaning, and then tries to fix a water fountain, and Gizmo is constantly trying to get away from the stream of water. Yeah, our, our <laughs> quarantine family movie night has. Taking us down some, Gone off the rails a wee some bit very, sometimes. very dark roads <laughs> where I was forced to pick Gremlins 2. You were not forced to pick Gremlins 2. I was forced 2. to pick Gremlins 2, the new batch. There because were the connection other, was... There were other things you could have connected Peanut Butter Falcon to than... Right, so the connection was wrestling. Right. Because Hulk Hogan is in Gremlins 2 for 15 seconds. Right. There were other ways you could have done that. I remember that being a funnier movie. I remember quite enjoying Gremlins 2 when it came out. It's still funny, but it's funny in a real crap way. It's an awful movie. And how they got Christopher Lee to be <laughs> the mad scientist. Right. What are you doing? It's like Wallace Shawn in Robodog. But learning that uh, Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo, that was something that we, I think we all enjoyed. Yes. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yes. Going into that, but that was... It makes sense because Gizmo does kind of sound like his uh, cartoon character that he did in the mid '90s or the early '90s. He did this. He had a cartoon show where he played like a little kid with a football-shaped head, which is an Hey Arnold, but it's a different one. And at the end of the show, live-action Howie Mandel talks to the kid about what they learned in the episode and stuff. And it's quite jarring because you forget sometimes that Howie Mandel once upon a time had hair, (laughs) had a lot of hair, had a huge, massive, curly mullet of hair crescending down his back, down his neck. He used to have so much hair. I'm I'm gathering that he was quite a hairy man then. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen him with hair. I was explaining this to my... My boss yesterday had a one-to-one. Mm-hmm. I don't get an awful lot. We don't get one-to-ones very often because she's very, very busy because she's a, like a VP. But uh, she was asking how things were going and I was telling her about her family movie night. 
and the the rules of it and right. and how you've been keeping score and right. I've got this little report that says how how you score your own movie compared to how you score everybody else's movie and all those right. sort of averages and, and things. And she was kind of laughing as we're going through it, and I said, "But tomorrow, like today, mm-hmm. will be the eightieth movie." Yes. Of the quarantine family movie night. And it's just, oh my God, we've been in this for 80 days. Right. (laughs) It's just like... But as I said to you, we'd be watching screens anyway. So it's nice that we're we're all watching the same screen together. Right. Talking and commenting and cracking jokes about the same movie together. But 80 days. Anyway. Correct. Kelly the Chin. Where was I? Kelly the Chin. Oh, the cleaners. We've just oh, we'd got that far. The cleaners, yes. So uh, Imran sees Adam eyeing up Summer and Kelly with some suspicion, and Adam explains that the girl is Rick the Chin's daughter, who is now living with Billy, and who apparently is under the protection of Gary, and her mother is missing. Imran agrees that this is weird, given that Rick the Chin set Gary up. I'm trying to remember, how did he set him up? Because... Everybody believes that Gary was set up by Rick the Chin, and that Rick the the Chin took the roof down. Right. Yes. Later, Imran sees Kelly and Summer, and he quizzes Kelly about her dad. She's not about to be forthcoming with information to a complete stranger, and she just wanders off. As is proper. Right. Seriously, Imran, what are you doing? The fuck are you? Yeah. (laughs) Gary wanders by and... Summer kind of explains, you know, oh, you remember that roof collapse thing? It was his sister, and she's like, oh, okay. But neither one of those girls seem to have any clue that people think that Kelly's dad is the one who took the roof down. Yeah, but we make sure that we see that Gary wanders by seeing this conversation and hearing Imran shout that he'd really like to speak to Rick the Chin. And then, as you said, Exposition Summer explains that Imran is Rana's brother. On Friday, Gary corners Kelly in Roy's Rolls. And this is still very, very weird when these things happen. It's very weird. He asks what Imran wanted, and rather than say... The fuck are you again? Mm-hmm. Kelly explains that he wanted to know where Rick the Chin was. Don't say nothing to nobody, says Gary. How could I, says Kelly? You're the only one who knows where he is. Which is truer than she knows. Mm-hmm. So then later in the rovers, Gary gives Billy a hard time for not being able to find Kelly's mum. Kelly needs stability now, says Gary. And Billy's like, what the actual? Right. As, as, is, as is right, because I think... Staying with Billy is the most stable stable household Kelly's ever been in in uh-huh. her whole life. Gary, being the super villain that he is, doesn't seem to realise how weird he's being at the moment. No, seriously. Just wandering up to people to talk about a girl that he should have absolutely no really interest in. And aggressive at people. Uh-huh. It's weird. You people are realising Gary's weird. Billy certainly looked like... Yeah. Okay, what? Yeah. What's it? What's any of this to do with you? Right. Uh, it's just drawing attention to the fact that now most of the street knows that Gary's weird when it comes to Kelly. Mm-hmm. And what is your natural progression going to? What direction is that going to take you in? Right. This doesn't seem to be something that the master criminal should be should be getting himself involved in. Anyway, our last storyline today. Ugh. Tim's fucking dad. Fuck him. There's an awful lot to this. It's in, it's for the most part ridiculous. <laughs> <sighs> See, this is where these one-star reviews come from. 
me saying that this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is ridiculous. <laughs> and fuck you. <laughs> On one day, the police arrive at Tim and Sally's. It's Craig who arrives. Now, let's talk about that for a little second. <laughs> it's so awkward. There was a scene some months ago now mm-hmm. where Craig was approached by someone. He was in his uh, in his uniform. Right. And he said he was only there. Oh, I can't remember why. But he shouldn't be working on a street where he knows people. Where he lives. And where he lives. Mm-hmm. And which yet... Is, which is actually not true. You know, I think it, it, there's there's been studies that say that police are a lot better policing the areas where they live as opposed to otherwise because they do know people and they know who is an actual baddie and who is not. And people trust them enough to talk to them. As opposed to otherwise. He has said, though. Yes, I know, he, he has said. He shouldn't be here. And and here he is. Yeah. Constantly, here yeah. he is. <laughs> right. So, Ryan and Alia, Tim and Tim's dad, continue to exchange barbs and threats, and Alia tells Craig that it should be Tim's dad getting arrested, and Craig handles the scene appallingly. He's trying to He's call trying people to... by their last names. Right. And then he can't remember Ryan's last name, despite the fact that he lives with them. Right, yeah, which was hilarious. <laughs> Ryan's like, we live together. You <laughs> don't know my last name. So, what, the actual? So Alia has let in Tim's dad, Tim and Craig in at the house, but Alia says as soon as Craig leaves, she'll be kicking them out. Craig's main concern is getting everyone's name right. Then he then explains that Tim's dad co-owns the house and that Alia has no right to change the locks and orders that she hands over the keys. When she refuses, he then gives her some legal advice, saying that if she's arrested, it could harm Yasmin's case, which I'm not sure if that's true. Oh, no, no, that's totally true. She gives Craig the keys and she and Ryan leave. Tim's dad eyes up the hidden camera. It's fucking massive. And it's not hidden. <laughs> it's in plain it's sight. It's sitting in plain sight on top of CDs in a CD tower. It's so blatantly obvious that it's there. I don't know how Alia didn't see it. I don't know how the police didn't see it and confiscate it. I don't know what it was that we saw them confiscate when we saw them put an electronic device in a bag. We thought it was a phone, I think. You, you yeah. thought it was a phone. But whose phone is it? And if it was Tim's dad's phone, why does Tim's dad have his phone back? And why did they not check his messages and everything else and see that on his laptop and probably on his phone, there is an app for a CCTV camera. All of this could have been very easily handled if they'd looked at the CCTV footage. What is wrong with these people? This doesn't make sense. And I'm so angry about it. <laughs> I'm not sure what that camera was plugged into. I think it was wireless. That's got some battery in it then. Yeah. What, what, Maybe it's like how, rechargeable. So it's been sitting there for weeks. In terms of that, it's been in hospital. That, 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 for like two weeks. I'm, I want this to make sense. And I don't think it does. Uh Tim's dad tells Tim to leave. He's got a bit of a headache, and Tim encourages Tim's dad to stay at his tonight. He leaves, and Tim's dad goes over at the camera like a flash, and he removes it from the CD rack. The CD rack, by the way, which contains... Uh, there are all blank CDs, apart from a couple. There's a karaoke CD, and there's 
there's one album which I wrote down, but I can't remember what it was. I'm hoping that uh, Mercy Tart's going to do a better job who, of... Who even listens to CDs anymore? Well, I mean, they're old people, so... They're all on upside down. That's what really annoyed me. <laughs> and there was, there's a massive gap so a camera can fit in between it. It's funny because uh, Stelly, when um, her social studies class was talking about economics and fads and uh, how things go out of style or out of out of out of date and are replaced by new fads and new technology and stuff. And Silly actually said to me, asked me, you know, <laughs> what replaced CDs? And I'm like, um, streaming? <laughs> like, I shouldn't have to explain this to you, an 11-year-old <laughs> who is who did used to have a CD player because remember, she used to have that karaoke machine. Oh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> but... Then again, she does have a record player that she just got for Christmas last year, so and a typewriter in her room. So she's really into arcane technology. But still, it was. I had to explain to her what a sock hop was. What? What was? A sock hop. I don't know what that is. It's like this thing that they. It was like a, a dance that they did in the fifties where kids would get together, like in a gym or something, and all take off their shoes and only dance in their socks. Uh, no idea. Yeah, and I had to explain to her that um, in back in the '90s, when I was in Girl Scouts, we would have them at our Girl Scout camp, and you know, half of the girls would dress like in, in poodle skirts and stuff, and then the other half would dress in drag, and we'd draw mustaches on our faces and roll up cigarettes in our t-shirts and stuff, and pretend to be boys. So that's the wonder years. <laughs> So Tim's dad removes the camera from the CD rack and then logs on his laptop and deletes a bunch of recordings. He's checking out some more recordings when Tim comes back in and although Tim's dad is quick to close the laptop, Tim seems to catch something and asks what this is all about. Tim's dad quickly makes up a story saying the camera was there for his protection. Sometimes it was the only thing that let him get to sleep at night. Sadly, the camera didn't capture Yasmin attacking him. Tim's wonders why Tim's dad didn't mention this to the police, but Tim's dad is uh, is forced to admit that Yasmin knew about it and how he feels like an old fool, which makes Tim agree to keep quiet about it and not tell Sally. <laughs> Later at home, Tim and Sally are whispering. Sally thinks it might be for the best if Tim and Tim's dad go away for a while until the trial comes round, but Tim thinks that it'll look like they have something to hide. Right, and shouldn't everybody be supporting him? Tim really doesn't understand that everybody on the street is uncomfortable with his dad and was uncomfortable with him even before this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to get it. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of the fact that he's been gaslit his whole life that his dad is kind of creepy. It always amuses me in interviews and uh, little articles that you see in mm-hmm. online that uh, when they, they describe the Tim's dad before how he was uh, he was much loved. Mm-hmm. Like, was he? I don't think so. I don't think we've ever liked him. No, I've always kind of had a, a, a simmering hatred for for Tim's dad. Right. Yeah. That has proved to be uh, merited. Right. Absolutely. Yes, we were calling him a tit way before anyone else. <laughs> right. Tim's dad then grabs the fish and chip papers and takes them outside to the bin and then slides the camera in with the garbage. And I kind of thought at this point, because he didn't put it very far in, No. thought Sally was going to complain about 
how they got their bins mixed up and the recycling had gone into the general of whatever right. and she'd go in and she'd have to rake about to pull something out and she'd find the camera. Right. Sadly, that did not happen. You think maybe it got spilled out somewhere? No, because on Wednesday it's bin day and Tim's dad watches from the window as the bin men empty Sally's bin into the truck and off they go like with that. it. <laughs> God, what, what an image! What an image! I don't think Sally really is the the uh, the, the bin type. The bin man bukaki type. Don't Google it, folks. Don't, don't Google it. You'll down, lose all respect for Gav. Down comes Tim and Tim's dad. Down comes Tim, and Tim's dad pretends he's having PTSD. Sally joins them, seemingly peeved with Tim. She gives either Tim or Tim's dad a really filthy look when she comes down the stairs and says that she's going to make a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. She's seriously not happy with this. No, no. She's and she doesn't even know about the camera. No. But already she's... She has her suspicions. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Imran has been doing some checks on Tim's dad's and Yasmin's joint bank account. The only thing that stands out is a few visits to a bar in a hotel in town called the Byron Lounge, or the Byrom Lounge. Aldi insists that it isn't Yasmin, she's not an Alki, so why don't you ask her about it, she says. So Imran goes to the jail and does just that. Yasmin says that she's never been there, and Tim's dad has never mentioned it or the hotel. Imran can see through Yasmin's answer that there's something that she's not telling him. If there's anything relevant that they can use in her defence, he needs to know about it. He explains what Alia has been saying about Tim's dad's bullying and coercion offer. Do you really want to know what was going on at that hotel, Yasmin asks. Right. Well, she says that after Imran stands up and says, well, I guess I'm just going to have to go there and ask them myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets Yasmin to finally say, okay, well, I'll tell you then. Meanwhile, Tim wants to take Tim's dad to the pub. Sal thinks they should go to the Flying Horse rather than the Rovers, but Tim doesn't think they should hide and reckons lots of the regulars would want to offer their solidarity. (laughs) (laughs) Tim is just so so dim. Tim dim. Tim Tim. There's a character by Harry Enfield called Tim Nice But Dim, and that's 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 this Tim. Uh, he makes it clear that their loyalties lie with Tim's dad. He asks if Sally will join him later in the pub, and Sally only commits to maybe. Erman is at Spidal and has filled Alia in about Tim's dad's uh, penchant for prostitutes. Yes. But before Alia gets too excited or throws up in her mouth a little bit, Erman reveals that Yasmin will be pleading guilty. Yeah. So Alia comes into the rovers looking for Ryan, but ends up being called over by Sally, who's on her own. At the bar, Eileen remarks that Tim's dad's uh, makes her antenna twitch. There's something about him. There's always been something about him. Mm-hmm. Sally wants to know how Yasmin is doing. Uh, she cares about Yas. Alia tells her to get Tim's dad to admit what he's done if she wants to help. Or maybe she's wrong. Maybe he is the best husband in the world and she did this completely out of the blue. Sally looks like she can read between the lines here. Alia tells Sally about the fake hotel in Spain, about threatening to kill himself if she went on her own, then the fake heart condition, but you haven't heard the worst. Tim's dad has been fucking prostitutes in a hotel in town. Cathy and Brian look on at this conversation from the booth. Then in comes Tim's dad, who sees Arya sit with Sally. Then Arya leaves while Tim's dad tells Carla to smile. As if he couldn't get any grosser. Right. Give us a smile. 
And she kind of smirks at him. Mm-hmm. Carla's working behind the bar quite happily. Right. I kind of wish she had just died. Not not smirked at him, but yeah, she's working. Yeah, she's working behind the bar. Right. Because she can she can now pull a pint. Kathy and Brian are chatting with Carla, asking how she's enjoying working behind the bar. She enjoys shouting last orders and gives them a demonstration. And it's only like one thirty in the afternoon. Only right. kidding, Everybody says Carla. Everybody freaks out. Right. Few with a capital F, says Kirk. Tim's dad offers Kathy and Brian a pint, but Brian seems and Brian seems keen, but Kathy says no, they're fine, thanks. Tim's dad's starting to feel a little bit unwelcome. Well, you can shove it up your arse, he says. Especially as Tim hasn't shown up yet. Sally comes out the bogs with Eileen. Tim's dad tells Sally not to trust anything that Alia said. Sally dismisses it and then leaves. So she doesn't even want mm, to have a drink with him. No. While Eileen glares at Tim's dad. She's already told Carla that she knows a villain when she sees one. Mm-hmm. Then Tim phones and has to cancel. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll see you at home, says a very pissed off Tim's dad. That's, that's so funny coming from Eileen. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, she knows now what a villain looks like. Mm-hmm. But remember, she thought Jan was a villain. Right. He kind of was a... He was, kind he was, of. He was pretending to be a villain, right. I guess. Yeah. That's understandable. But remember, Phelan had the wool pulled over Eileen's eyes for quite some time before she realized she was married to a serial killer. Oh, for years, yeah. Yeah. At home, Tim is wondering why everyone at the Rovers appears to have taken Yasmin's side. Because your dad's a creep. <laughs> Sally says that she was digging to find out. Uh, Tim wants her to spill, so Sally, after pretending that she thinks that she shouldn't say something, tells Tim that Tim's dad has been sleeping with prostitutes. Tim's dad comes down the stairs at this, and Tim asks him if he's ever heard anything so daft. Well, asks Sally, have you? And all of a sudden, Tim's dad seems to have lost his tongue. Mm. Despite the fact that he can, he's proven himself to be very good at Lying. And thinking on the spot and coming up with stories on the spot. Mm. Well, I guess he does, but he's still... Anyway. It's it's very manipulative, but this is, this is what people like this do. In order to seem more credible, they will on occasion admit right. to things and be truthful about some things. Just, just to up their credibility, you know. So it's it's not completely surprising that he confesses. Right, because he admits that, says it slipped with two of them because he was getting nothing from Yasmin. Sally is disgusted, but Tim doesn't think this means Yasmin had the right to slash his neck with a bottle. He asks what Sally would do in the same situation, and she doesn't reply. Tim urges Tim's dad to go to the police. They need to know this could break the case. Tim's dad says something vaguely nasty about a female judge letting Yasmin off while Sally looks on disapprovingly. So Tim now knows that Tim's dad hasn't told the police about the camera and now hasn't told the police about the prostitutes. Right. So, surely, the... the Remember, he's dim. The minuscule cogs that are in his head should be beginning to whir a little bit here. You would think. You would think. Later, Tim's dad is looking thoughtful outside while Tim and Sally chat. She doesn't understand why he didn't find it disgusting. He calls it grubby and embarrassing, but they didn't know what Yasmin had been putting him through. <laughs> the idea that Yasmin could be putting anybody through anything. Right, and the and the, the fact that Tim seems to kind of accept that if if a wife doesn't want to have sex with her husband, 
that it's perfectly all right and understandable for said husband to then go right. and pay for sex with a prostitute. That's a green light. <laughs> it's still cheating, Tim. He calls Tim's dad a broken man. Maybe, says Sally. Oh. So Tim takes Tim's dad to the police. He tells DS Abney about the escorts and how Yasmin found out earlier on the night of the attack, which obviously isn't true. true. Abney's confused why he didn't mention this earlier. It's not like he could forget. She quickly reasons that he's only telling her now in case it comes up in court. Mm -hmm. He claims he was too embarrassed to mention it. Okay, lover, run me through the story one more time, says Abney. Sally confesses to Alia at Speeddal that she spilled her guts to Tim and Tim's dad, who has now gone off to the police to confess. Fucking great, says Alia. Thanks to Sally, Alia has played right into Tim's dad's hands. Mm-hmm. Back home, Imran tells Alia that he warned her not to say anything. Alia thinks it's a tip off the iceberg, but Imran says if she pleads guilty, none of this matters, right. which is why Alia has booked an emergency visit with Yasmin. Right, because the last one went so well. Yeah. Tim's dad is back home, continuing to complain about Yasmin, and then it hits him. What's Faye going to think about all this? (laughs) At the jail, Yasmin admits that she got chlamydia from Tim's dad, and she won't be mentioning the call girls in court. And she says that it is cleared up already. It doesn't clear up that fast. I thought once you had it, you always had it, don't you? No. Oh, it goes away? No, not with chlamydia. It does clear up. You get on antibiotics some strong antibiotics and it does clear up but not I mean how long is it has it's been like a week oh no it's two been weeks? much longer than that it's been a while been, since, a, good, been since, a good old month I would say yeah still the, the, the fact that she had chlamydia well maybe she's just telling her it's cleared up just to get to shop about right it. yeah but the fact that she had chlamydia probably will not jive with Tim's dad's timeline about when he told her about the prostitutes. No, because it proves that she knew about it. Well before then. Well before it. Mm -hmm. It's crossing a line she isn't prepared to do. She would rather be in jail than have this come out in court. Aya thinks this is shameful and it's it's Tim's dad who should be in here. And Yasmin tries to crack a joke, but this is a woman's prison. Mm -hmm. But Aya doesn't find that funny. No. He bullied and abused her. She can't spend 15 years in here because she's scared to tell a room full of strangers that her husband gave her chlamydia. Shout it from the rooftop, she says. Don't let him get away with it or he'll do it to someone else. This is her last chance to tell the truth. And it seems to be this that finally kind of cracks Yasmin open a little bit, the whole he'll do it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because Yasmin already knows that he's done it to somebody else. Uh We kind of know that he's done it to at least... Two other people. Right. Because that woman in the pub. Right. And then Tim's mum. Well, we we don't know for sure about Tim's mum. We We've got strong suspicions. Yes. Because this is very much a case of history repeating itself. Yes. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole, that whole, this is going to happen to someone else if you don't stand up to it. Right. Did seem to spark something from... From Yasmin. I don't think there's any way in the world that she's going to plead guilty to this. No. Because to do so, it's going to put her out right. the show for 15 years. Or, right, yeah. Or seven and a half or whatever. Right. And there's a, there's a comeuppance that still has to come that we've been promised, I think, from the show that isn't going to be... He's not going to get away with it. No. And it's going to be significant. Right. And I can read from that that he's going to have to die. 
<laughs> by a bacon slicer. <laughs> no, uh, he's, may, he's maybe not going to die, but he's, he's going to be put away for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, something, something significant is going to happen. Yes. He's not going to get away with it. So, do you think Tim is going to slip? And tell somebody about the cameras. I think Tim is going to slip and tell Sally about the cameras. And the police are going to be able to find something from that footage, even though he's he's deleted it. You know, nothing is ever really deleted. Right. Do I think it can be pulled up somehow? I don't know if he's going to slip as such, but Sally is growing more and more Suspicious. confident. Yeah. And her suspicions. Yes. And is, doesn't seem to have a problem airing those suspicions to Tim. Correct. So I, I see that continuing next week. Absolutely. And in that, I, I think the, the cogs are finally going to start right. whirring in, in, Tim's that, in Tim's head that, well, add all this to the fact that there's a, we know that there was a camera in that house. Right. It's going to make Tim more suspicious of his dad than he currently is. Because at the moment, he's very much... He's team Tim's dad. Right. And he won't hear a word against it. And imagines the whole world is on his side because he's in the right. And you know what? I think I think that's going to slip too. And I think it's significant that Tim doesn't see the way people act about his dad in the Rovers. I think Eileen is going to have give him a talking to... That's interesting, yeah, because they're very close. They're very close. And I think having somebody from outside of the family say something to him might shock him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And plus, he knows about the whole box thing. and It still surprises me that he's not more shocked about the box thing. Because he knows his dad left. Yeah, he knows that wasn't... You know, and he says, know oh, well, it just, it, it stuck. It's, it's not that, you know, and I didn't know. But still, even even if even if that were true, why would you leave somebody in a box mid trick? You know, there's no reason. Okay, we're gonna practice this, and then I'm going to leave. Right. You know, things are going to start falling into place for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think. I'm, I, I'm still I'm still holding out for Tim's mom to show up too. I would love I that. Really would love that. Because she's got a story to tell. Yeah, there's a huge question mark over her. I'd mm-hmm. love to know more Absolutely. about what happened. And what happened that made Tim become so so negative about... Because he's clearly on on his dad's it, side. It seems like he, she, he was completely taken away from his mother. Mm-hmm. Or that his mother chose to completely cut herself out of his life for some reason. Or she, she's been murdered by Tim's dad, and Tim doesn't know that. Ooh. And and she's out in the woods with, with Rick the Chin. <laughs> and that's how they'll find Rick the Chin as well, where they're trying to unbury Tim's mum. Not for a coincidence. They're buried on top of each other. Just, of I all just, the places, Gary. I just want Rick the Chin to be found. <laughs> that's coming up for a year, isn't it? <sighs> Must be close to a year. Yes. I guess we'll find out when I come across it from the, when the, when the last year tonight. You know, one of those things the police actually should be working on. <laughs> right. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Oh, God, when I think of the man hours that they put in when Seb fell off a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I 
hundreds and hundreds of man hours into cracking that case. I like how I like how they're doing this. I mean, we spoke at length a few weeks ago about how we hated mm-hmm. how the uh, how Yasmin had stabbed him and right. didn't think this was a, an appropriate end to the story. But I have right. to give them credit. The way that it's gone, particularly this week, uh, building up on previous weeks where uh, the, the rovers are turning mm-hmm. against them. Nobody's, even Cathy, who was, who was against right. Yasmin for the, right. the latter part. Because her feelings were hurt by Yas. Right, but she's coming round and yeah. eventually Brian will, right. presumably. But it's, also Tim. Right. The, the kind of gradual build up to this, I think, has been done done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of our huge problems there was we feared that this was going to turn the community against Yasmin and that hasn't happened. So. And that's the way it kind of looked like it was going to happen when everybody was slacking off her dress and all that other stuff. Yeah. And we didn't know at that point whether Tim's dad was going to live or die. Right. So on the assumption that he was going to die, that was not the ending that I think we deserved. Right. We deserved something a little bit better, a little bit, something to give us some uh, schadenfreude. Mm. You know, and seeing Tim's dad being de- deconstructed. Yes. So yeah, there we go. There what we was your go. moment of the week? Asha slagging off ITV's Quarry. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. I thought she was... She was fantastic, and we've Very. given moment of the week to her a few times in the storyline, but yes. that was definitely my moment of the week. Absolutely. So, Asha, dressing down ITV Quarry is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Kirk sucks. <laughs> Which we didn't even talk about. There was a side story about Kirk buying black and blue socks so that he wouldn't lose socks anymore. And then, which inexplicably led to a discussion about how pieces of government are named after furniture between (laughs) Paul and and Kirk while they were supposed to be packing up boxes. And it just, it, I I understand it was probably just like a moment of levity amongst a whole bunch of really heavy storylines. Yeah. I get it. But it was just so boring and dumb. I was just like, why is this here? Kirk made a valid point. I mean, I, I didn't feel compelled to write any of this thing because you knew that, that this was just mentioned on Friday just to right. fill up some time. Right. The days of the week socks are just such a bad idea <laughs> for the reasons that Kirk mentioned because you, you 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 never end up wearing Monday socks on Monday. Why do adult? Why do they make days of the week socks in adult sizes? They do. I, I used to have a pair. Through, through one wash cycle. That's that's how long they're good for, and then after that, you've got Monday on one foot and you've got Wednesday on another foot, or you're wearing two Thursdays on a Sunday. Stelly used to Stelly. Well, they they still exist in the house. Sketchers at one point seemed to think it was a good idea to sell mismatched socks as a thing, and her father thought it was a good idea to buy them and I lasted one cycle because I was like I'm not going to be arsed to match up mismatched socks this oh. is fucking ridiculous <laughs> right. and they just stayed in the sock basket 
you know. And I mean, you do have your your Dolby socks where one is red and one is green, but they still have like a pattern on them to match them together. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You rarely wear those. Yeah, really. It's not that I have anything about wearing mismatched socks, but they never seem to come at the top. And I haven't worn socks for about four weeks. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> why? Right. I haven't, I've been wearing shorts for four weeks as well, because mm-hmm. it's hot and... Why not? I ain't going to work. You don't even wear slippers. Do you have slippers? No, I don't like slippers. You should really I've wear something been, on your bare feet. I've got my flip-flops. I wear my flip-flops. Yeah, but you also wear those outside. That's gross. Yes. Fuck off. <laughs> so that's our... <laughs> Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. I haven't done an outro again. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Uh, quarantine head. If you've... If you've what? Let's see. If you've managed to put your kids into private education within 24 hours of deciding to do so, please drop us a line and explain how we are the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also how you can leave us a voicemail on Skype or leave us a couple of badgers in our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We are at Corey Podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And please, please. I'm, not, I'm not going to beg. Please. But I'm begging. Yes. Can we try and knock that one star just down the page a little bit? Please. Please leave a rating and review on the iTunes if you feel compelled to do so. That would be wonderful. Yes, please. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more... Uh, talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Ta. Cheerio. Cheerio.